you have to understand that you'll be buying a car, if it's a new car, from trained salespeople who see you as a big fat sucker. There's just endless research you can do, and I highly advise people to spend a lot of time doing it because it will save you thousands of dollars. And secondly, it will give you the peace of mind knowing that you got a good deal. Coming up, find out how to buy a new car with Automobile Magazine President Gene Jennings, next on Change Nation from the first 30 days. This Change Nation podcast is presented by City. City never sleeps. Buying a new car is one of those great liberating moments in life. The smell of the car, the speed of the engine, the booming of that sound system. It's a truly unique rite of passage. But actually buying that car, that's a whole other story. You have to shop around, possibly for weeks, even months, look for the right car or the right price from the right dealer, and it can certainly amount to one big headache. However, there are ways to make that process easier. Today on Change Nation, we're talking to Gene Jennings, co-founder, president, and editor-in-chief of Automobile Magazine, one of the most popular car magazines on the market today, about some common sense and insider tricks people can use when in the first 30 days of buying a new car. Gene Welcome to the show. Well, hello. How are you? I'm very well. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Well, you know, it's hard to buy a car for anybody, even people who know everything there is to know about it. It certainly is. And as a New Yorker, I haven't owned a car actually in about 12 years. So Yeah, well, there's your problem. That is our problem. <laughs> there's a desire for so many people to go out and find that car that they love and that they've always wanted to have. What are the first things to absolutely do before even walking onto that dealer lot or, or looking around? Boy, um, you know, you, you really, really have to remove the want and replace it with the need kind of thing. You know, you have to, you have to be thinking very seriously about what you need for a car. And you have to understand that you'll be buying a car, if it's a new car, from a dealership, from trained salespeople who see you as a big, fat sucker, so, you know, that's just thought, that's just the God's truth. And and they look at you when you walk in the door as potential in a lot of ways. You know, maybe you'll have a trade in that they can make an obscene profit on. And maybe in a way they can kind of get it from you. And they're looking at you as, you know, you'll bring your car into service. So you're going to, you know, uh bring them a lot of money down the road. If they're really, really good, and there are a lot of good dealers out there, they're looking at you as a lifetime shopper who will possibly buy a new car, I don't know, every five years, ten years. But, you know, if you're young, you'll have decades of buying cars from them. So that's the correct dealer experience. So what you want to do is research first. What are the best research areas, whether it's magazines, the internet, where should people go to get started? You know, you definitely shouldn't go to a dealership because it's too hard. You, it, it's so easy to go online now and see everything. All of the big car magazines have websites. Ours is automobilemag.com. And we review cars in our magazine on the newsstand monthly has expert reviews of cars, but pretty much from an enthusiast point of view. You can also go to automotive.com, which has a review of every car out there. You can go to Edmunds. I think that's a fantastic site. Um, Edmunds not only has car reviews, it has tons and tons of buying tips and 
selling tips and, you know, it's really a great full-service site. You can go to IntelliChoice.com, I-N-T-E-L-L-I-C-H-O-I-C-E.com, and their specialty is telling you the cost of ownership. So what it'll cost you to own a car for five years. There are a million car buying sites out there, but I think what you're trying to research is a number of things. First of all, you're trying to figure out what kind of car you really need. A four-door sedan, a, a small SUV, are you interested in fuel economy, are you interested in safety features? You'll find all these checklists online to help you kind of narrow it down so you can figure out exactly what it is you need. How will you drive it? Will you just be driving it around town? Can you just get a little car? Can you get away with that? Will you be driving it on the freeway? The next thing you're going to want to look online for is um, you, you can look at cars side by side. You can see how much they cost. You can see how much the options are. You're going to want to find out how much the dealer paid for it. There's just endless research you can do, and I highly advise people to spend a lot of time doing it because it will save you, first of all, thousands of dollars. And secondly, it will give you the peace of mind knowing that you got a good deal, you weren't cheated. Because isn't that what everybody's afraid of when they buy a car? Sure it is. The question that I have for you now is what are the mistakes that a lot of people make when they're buying a car? Well, you know, first of all, not doing that research because it's hard. And it happens to all of us. You know, I literally went on the eBay Motors site to look for a used car. I was just kind of checking out the site, and before an hour had passed, I bought a car. And I didn't do all the due diligence. And luckily, you know, I did it afterward kind of embarrassedly and got a a good little used car. But just letting your kind of, oh, that's so cute, I want that car, and being too afraid and intimidated to really get the good deal. Doing the research is so important. That's the first error, the very first error. The second is not really test driving a car the way you would drive it. So, you know, being uncomfortable, driving it around the block when in fact you're going to be on a freeway, driving it on a freeway for your test when in fact you're going to be on lumpy city streets so you don't really feel it in its real environment. The other mistake is when you go for the test drive, test driving um, a car that's fully loaded when, in fact, you can only afford the base model. So it has more padding, it has different tires, it has different equipment that changes the feel of it. So making a decision based on the wrong car. So um, the other, I mean, there are a lot of mistakes in a lot of areas uh, because there are... uh, not separating the process into the three specific areas there are, which are researching it, testing it, buying it, and then negotiating the price of the car, the price of the trade-in, and the price of the financing, three areas where the dealership can make money. So not breaking it down enough into different steps. Jean, let's talk about the buying aspect. Um, Is it always okay to negotiate price when shopping for a car? It is always okay, although you obviously don't want to. You, you need to come from a position of knowledge and strength. So if there's a very hot car, let's say the Toyota Prius had just come on the market. There's a little more leeway now. Everyone wanted one. 
They couldn't make enough of them. So you would be stupid to think you can negotiate. You're in a much of a position to negotiate. You're not going to get a lot off of that car. Maybe nothing. So that's why it's important to use a site like Edmunds.com because they have a place on there that can help you figure out the true market value at any given moment of a particular car. So that's the rule of thumb basically is if a car is hot, you're going to get less on it. The other thing you find out, if there are rebates on a car, rebates come from the manufacturer, not from the dealer. So if you find out there's a rebate on a car, you can still negotiate the price of the car aside from the rebate. That's not the dealers to negotiate. And one other thing that's really, really critical when you go to negotiate is to know what the dealer paid for the car, know what the dealer paid for any of the options that are on the car. That's the invoice price. Because then you, instead of negotiating the price of the car down from the sticker to your price, you negotiate the profit margin the dealer should make. Does that make sense? It does, Jean. I mean, I'd love you to explain some of that terminology. I know some of it's confusing between the dealer sticker price, the base price. Yeah. How does that all work? Right. Um, There is the MSRP, the Manufacturer's Suggested Retail Price. That's the window sticker. That is the price of the car, the base price, plus the options on the car, plus add-ons, which I'll talk about in a minute. That's another mistake is uh, buying a car that has dealer add-ons. You have to look for these hidden costs. And it has uh, the destination fee, which is what it costs to have it brought to the dealership, prepped and gotten ready for you, and that's a non-negotiable price. Now, everything at the time, it's on this window sticker, everything is there. The negotiable parts are the price, base up price of the car, and the price of those options. Those are the first negotiable points. All of those points cost the dealer less than is on the window sticker. The window sticker has the dealer's baked-in profit. That profit might be several thousands of dollars. And if you have done all your homework online and you walk in there ready to buy a car, you know, my rule of thumb is if the dealer doesn't have to work, you know, they don't get a lot of money profit. I mean, they shouldn't have a lot of profit. They should get maybe, I don't know, $100, $200. That's what you negotiate. Is it typical to think that that sticker price is nego- highly inflated? Highly yes. inflatable, yes. but is it negotiated by yes. 10%, by 5%? Like, it's what's- hard to say that. But, you know, that's one of the, you know, it's like, we all wish cars were like the grocery store where you walk in and you got the price and you, you didn't feel like someone else got a better price. But the fact is, you know, you can't say 10 or 20%. If a car is not selling, all bets are off. You might get, there may be a $5,000 rebate coming from the manufacturer direct to you if you buy it. The dealer might have his own rebate coming to him if he sells it. You can negotiate for part of his rebate too. So that's why it's so important to do your homework online and, and a site like IntelliChoice and like Edmunds and uh, like Consumer Reports. All those will tell you they'll have um, current rebate programs going on across the nation. And there is, this is going to be the year 
that you can buy a car for. It's going to be the buyer's market. There will be, you know, there'll be rebates. There'll be money you can get back from the dealer. You'll be able to really negotiate down these uh, prices. It's also important to know that if you, if you just think of the phrase, the end of, the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, and the end of a model year are all good times to get a good price on a car. That's very interesting. The end of the day, the guy, you know, the, the, the salesperson wants to go home. They would like, love to make a deal. And if you're well-armed with information, you're in a better position to turn it. Same thing at the end of the week. The end of the month, um, dealers have to pay insurance costs on the cars that are sitting in the space on their lot. The longer they sit there, the more those costs rack up. And then end of a model year, obviously, if a new model comes out, the old model is already a year old, even if it hasn't turned a mile. So if you don't have a problem with that, you're going to save some money right this second. Is that one of the tips you would tell people to look at a model maybe from a year ago? Especially if it's a vehicle that has a good value retention. This is another thing you should look at before you buy a car is how does it hold its value over the years? European cars in general do not hold their value, and they cost a lot to service, as exciting as they may be to own and drive. Japanese cars, as maybe unexciting as they tend to be to own and drive, but they're dead nuts reliable. They hold their value. I mean, you could sell a 150,000-mile Honda Civic for about the same price as you bought it for. You know, they're, they're just these cars that retain a tremendous amount of value. So it's good to know if you're buying a car that doesn't hold its value well, you, you probably don't want to buy one that's a year old. And I guess that is also online and in these research sites that you mentioned. Uh, yes. There, okay. You know, this information, if you Google how to buy a car, you will be inundated with a wealth of information. The question is, are you going to spend the time to read it? This will probably be, for most people, the second biggest purchase of their lives, the first being a house. Cars cost a lot of money for all the, you know, the emotion we attach to them. We can be pretty well starry-eyed when we go and buy a car. Is there an advantage to leasing as opposed to just buying? There are some advantages to leasing. And you know what? You really have to do some research in terms of um, tax. Um, I've always been under the notion that leasing is, is good if you have a business, but probably not if you're just uh, a regular person in terms of tax write-offs. But the advantages to leasing are if you need a new car all the time, you just like new cars, if you want to drive a better car than you can afford. But, you know, remember, it's like renting. You own nothing. You have no equity in it. So the money you spend is just going away. Are there any scams that we should all know about that are kind of there lurking around? Um, you know, the biggest to kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink that people amazingly don't see is what we call dealer add-ons. That's the first one. There are, there are a lot of scams, you know, from unscrupulous people. But these are things like rust-proofing, which no car needs. That's just a total scam. 
The second is clear coat or appearance package or protection. No car needs this. In many cases, it's just wax. They've waxed your car, and they're charging you 400 for the appearance package. There are cases where the dealers have added their own security system, and in some cases, if you're not clever enough to figure it out, they've uninstalled the one that came from the manufacturer and put on their own and charged you a lot of money. There are all kinds of things, and those are typically listed on the window sticker in a little box that might say extras or something that makes it look official, but it isn't. Those you should feel free to completely ignore and say, I'm not paying for any of those. I need none of those. In almost every case, if something is on there that you would like, that you actually like, you can get it afterwards. You can get it a month or two later for a lot cheaper than what's on there. Jean, how can you help us with dealing with some of the intimidation factor? Some of you the never, ever, ever deal with. You know, there are plenty of people trying to sell cars out there. This is a terrible, terrible market for selling cars. You should never do business with someone who intimidates you because, frankly, you're doing them a favor buying a car. So if someone's intimidated, they should walk out the door. Got it. Walk out the door. You are not beholden to anyone. That's the worst kind of car dealership. I'd be more worried about someone who, like, does, you know, is just really, really helpful in ways that I don't want. You know, I mean, these are salesmen. They're trained to figure out, figure you out and what you, you know, the first thing they might ask you is, did you bring a trade in? Because they're going to find out right away, are you more interested in dealing them down to the nub on their profit on the new car? Or are you really interested in getting a good value for your trade in? Because if it's the trade in, they'll give you a great deal on your trade in where you think it's not worth anything. And then, then they'll make it all up on the new car. Have you seen any research whether men and women get a better deal, if it's better to send your spouse along? It's really interesting. Um, There has been lots and lots of studies. I haven't seen any recent ones, but I can tell you that in the past, the better dressed you are, the better deal you're going to get. That's kind of contradictory. That's very interesting. Yeah, the better dressed you are, they assume you know more, and they won't be able to talk you out of or into something the better dressed you are. So you shouldn't be a slob when you go to the dealership. And the other thing was that men and women tend to not get so much of a different uh, price as they do in the service area, get treated differently in the service area. Remember, when you go to buy a car, I think it's important to interview the service area because that's the place where you're more likely to spend your time once you buy a car, that's the end. You're not going to really see that salesperson again until maybe you buy another one. To go back there and see, do you like the, the person who's in charge of the service writing area? Because that is really the heart and soul of the dealership. Jean, you mentioned that you yourself bought a car online. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to that's come back. Hilarious. I'm going to have to come back to that experience. And it's certainly <laughs> something new and a, a trend nowadays. Yeah, you know, I like eBay Motors a lot. I've sold, uh, I sold a vintage trailer on eBay Motors. This is the first time I bought a car on eBay Motors. I bought it for my brother, and he needed a used car for a really good price. And I found one with low miles and a decent price, and it was from an independent service 
company that has also sells cars online, which a lot of dealers do now. They use eBay Motors. I like it because you can check their rating. You can see how many cars they've sold online. Same thing as all eBay. They are a, a power seller. They had a 100% or 99.9% favorable rating. They had sold thousands of cars. The other thing you can do at eBay Motors is get an AccuCheck report for 1495 It's a search of any accident the vehicle has been in, any police reports. You can do the title check. So you can check a car's, see if it had, if it's come out of a flood. And so there are a lot of checks and balances there. They also have warranty protection. So you would certainly advise that to most people to at least look into buying a car online as well. I would because it will also give you good value for used cars. Like most eBay You know, you will find the true market value of a 100,000-mile, you know, five-year-old Honda Civic right now. And you will see it, and it will not vary much. If a car's overpriced, there won't be any bids on it. Gene, what about hybrid cars? What are the best ones out there today? What do people need to know? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there are now there are so many hybrid models. It's no longer, you know, all... It's not, uh, you know, a Honda or a Toyota. There are, there are Fords and General Motors. And um, I think what people really need to know is how they themselves drive their car. A hybrid car will not give you good fuel economy if you are not in stop-and-go traffic all the time. The, you save fuel in a hybrid when the car shuts down. If it's not going, you're not burning gas. So there are a couple different kinds of hybrids. The newest are from General Motors, and that's two-mode hybrid. This is a hybrid system that allows you to tow, and it allows you to carry a lot of passengers. It's applicable to bigger cars. So you can get a benefit from the hybrid motors without sort of giving up the ability to tow so people who tow boats and so on, people who put a lot of people in their vehicles um, might want to consider the General Motors two-mode hybrid systems. Um, there are what they call mild hybrids. Uh, the Malibu has a mild hybrid. The Chevy Malibu, the uh, Saturn View has it. I don't mean to sound like a General Motors ad, but they're <laughs> different than Toyota Prius. These hybrids don't work the same way as Prius, but they will they'll shut down when you stop at a stop sign or a stop at a stoplight, and they will also add some hybrid power, some electricity, when you accelerate, maybe like 10 or 11 miles per gallon horsepower, when you accelerate at a higher rate of speed. So it acts as a performance boost more than a fuel economy boost. So you can basically drive a a four-cylinder car and it feels like a a six-cylinder. Nissan has hybrids that also bill their hybrids as more of a performance aid, meaning it will work in a six-cylinder car and give you the feeling of an eight. Uh, Lexus just introduced the LS600. It's a limo. It's an absolute limo with, you know, massage rear seats with hammocks and drop-down DVD players and The 600H is a hybrid version of that car, and what it does is allow 
V12 performance in an eight-cylinder car. So, you know, it's all relative. Jean, I know in your, your magazine, Automobile Magazine, you probably look at trends and what's coming in the future. Can you share a few things that we might expect in the next few months, years with cars? Yeah, I think, um, you know, first of all, we're going to see diesel return to the United States, but it will be like nothing we remember. Um, Diesel, you know, to most Americans is stinky, noisy, oily, dirty, and what's coming back is clean diesel. It's absolutely seamless. You won't be able to hear it. You won't be able to smell it, really. Um, and it it will be a super clean diesel fuel like they have in Europe. Um, and sure. what my, that my. offers you is a fantastic low-end performance and um, really exceptional fuel economy. Sure, but both my parents actually in Europe have diesel cars, so that's very familiar to me. Of course, and in, in Europe, you know, diesel, the big, the big difference is it costs a lot less than, than gas. And here, there is a kind of, you know, right now it can be as much as a dollar more a gallon. So there will be. They claim the fuel company. The fuel companies claim it's because there's not enough demand. Well, we'll see that change. Uh, we'll also see diesel hybrids, where we'll use, uh, you know, a blend of electricity to diesel. Um, there'll be a lot more different motive sources, but it's all really going toward hydrogen. That's the only true zero emissions fuel and the only real alternative in the end. So are you a believer in the electric car at some point? I think it's a stopgap. That's all it is. The fact is electricity is going to cause pollution somewhere. That's the reality. Sure. Where that electricity is created before it gets to your car, you know, in almost every case there's pollution being created somewhere. So I think the real solution is going to be hydrogen. Beautiful. So, Gene, if I heard you right, it's definitely research, 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 then test, then buy, and then negotiate. Absolutely. And don't be afraid ever to walk out the door. Beautiful. Gene, the way that we end off all our interviews here at Change Nation is to ask all our experts and guests the exact same three questions at the end. Okay. They're fun. Okay. They have nothing to do really with uh, the guest's area of expertise. Okay. So here they are. What is the belief that you personally go to during times of change in your life? I have always, and I have had a long and very difficult and interesting and exciting life. And I have always believed that when the worst things happen to me, the best things have always happened next. And I believe that... um, Really, I believe in God, and I believe that there's a plan for me. Here's the next one. The best thing about change is? Change equals opportunity. And as Ralph Waldo Emerson said, consistency is the hobgoblin of small or little minds. So I have no problem with change. And here's the last one. What is the best change that you have ever made? (laughs) Just pick one. Just pick one. Best change I think I ever made in my life happened when I was just after 40 years old, when I suddenly realized that I had, I, I looked outside for my rewards and punishments. And I walked away from a very bad relationship and a bad marriage and started to create for myself my own core of self-worth. 
Beautiful. Jean, thank you for being so honest with us. No, that was a little shock. I'm a little kind of verklempt <laughs> right now. <laughs> thank you for inspiring other people to maybe look at that same decision. And thank you for making us smarter with all of us thinking about buying a new car, maybe in that process well, right now. was really good. Thank you so much for the opportunity. For more information about Jean, please go subscribe to Automobile Magazine and visit the website www.automobilemag.com. You've been listening to Change Nation. For more interviews, experts, and inspirational advice and stories, please visit us at first30days.com. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Change Nation from the first 30 days. Please visit us on iTunes in the Society and Culture podcast section under Philosophy. Remember to take time to leave us feedback about the show. We'd love to know what you think. Change Nation is a production of the First 30 Days Incorporated. Copyright 2008. All rights reserved. <laughs>